gosh, I feel like he's my everything. Seriously, Rachmaninoff. The, no, like, you know, yeah, yeah. It, wait, Rachmaninoff is Verdi? No, no. We they're two different composers. Come on, Verdi, Italian, Rachmaninoff, Russian. But what I'm saying is like they're. Well, you those... said you said Verdi, Rachmaninoff. So I'm like, oh. yes, Verdi, comma, Rachmaninoff. You didn't you didn't say comma. Well, Sorry. that's because I'm not talk texting. Duh. <laughs> What is going on, guys? Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Opera Reel, episode seven. We are back officially, and today's episode is very special, not just because we're back after a few weeks hiatus, but also because today you're going to hear an episode where I become the interviewee by my husband and business partner, Drew Pelletier. So he's interviewing me for this podcast to understand a little more about where I come from and my background. So we've had a chance to talk to, or I've had a chance to talk to a few people about their journey becoming opera singers and being in the process right now. But today is about me doing that same thing and, you know, just from a personal perspective, Uh, If you like wine, if you like to drink, this is definitely the time to do it with this podcast. It's so much fun and it is a lot more fun if you have a glass of wine in your hand as I did. So stay tuned, guys. I look forward to having you learn more about me and where I come from and the woman behind the face and the voice. Hey guys, thank you so, so much for your support, for your listens, for your likes, and your shares. The Opera Reel podcast and all content for the Queen of Opera is sponsored by listeners like you. To become a patron, please visit patreon.com forward slash queen of opera. I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can this you hear is, me? Yes, I can hear you. Excellent. No echo. You're in the other room. This is great. So I just I feel like I could be know. myself actually now because I'm not I'm not <laughs> I'm not hog you know, you're not hogging the mic. Wow. I was about to give you a compliment and I changed my mind. No, I sir, like it's it was awkward. So I just so I, listen, listen. Now I can cut you off. I don't have to worry about you hitting me in the face or you know, this is great. Technically, I'm not the abusive one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. All you guys should see my huh? eye right now. Okay. I did not put that style on your eye. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. the other eye. Oh, I'm sorry but, about that. No, I blame you for the style. You tickled as well. me. Wow. What did, how did I do that? Okay. Okay. Anyway. So. Oh, and guys, so for those of you who don't know us, we are, well, I don't want to say health nuts, but we're kind of like want to be health nuts. So we don't we typically drink. Sometimes. Yeah. So, so we decide, you know, on our podcast, this is, we do a podcast once a week and this is when we, we have our beer, well, we have our wine and we get to 
hang out and have a good time. And let loose. And if you guys have heard our... <laughs> and let loose. <laughs> let loose. As you can tell, I'm already slurring my speech. I'm just kidding. That's not true. If you guys have heard our podcast from before, don't look it up. I won't tell you what it's called. But we had a lot of fun. And honestly, by the end of like two hours, because we had been drinking and it went for a long time, I was actually very afraid the next day, questioning my life choices, wondering what it sounded like. But they actually came out okay. Like everybody seemed to really like them. We got amazing feedback. So I'm hoping I'm this hoping one does. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I'm hoping this does the same thing. See, we're so close. We even finish each other's sentences, even when we're not in the room together. That's because there's a delay. <laughs> <laughs> okay here we go I'm okay okay so obviously you're an opera singer and you've had the privilege to interview some past opera singers such as tommy who's mm -hmm. an awesome guy over in finland studies yeah, over in, in sweden yeah and then um in my opinion someone that really has star potential there are actually two people that have a lot of star potential and Sarah Alucci, yeah, she's tell over. Them both, they're yeah, amazing. yeah, Sarah, she's over there in Europe, um, Germany or Sarah Russia? is in Poland right now. Sarah's in Poland, yes. Mm -hmm. And then another local girl, if you will, or you know, United local States, class, yeah, Sharisa, who has a, an outstanding voice, just yeah, simply Drew fantastic. Kind of fanboys over Sharisa's Fanboy. voice and Sarah. Fanboy. <laughs> Yeah, they're both no, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both, and they're both still studying. I do want to say that. So what we've done is I've interviewed a few people. Some, for instance, Baba Tunde is over in California. He's been singing for years. And yeah, he's so, already kind of big. Actually, he's yeah, big exactly. Already. And it's so exciting that I had a chance to talk to him. He was my second interview. Uh, Adam over in San Francisco. He's also in California. He's been singing for a while as well. He did the, uh, the, I want to say this right, the fellow program, he was the fellow program with the San Francisco Opera. And I believe he was in the Hawaii Opera Theater with you as well, correct? Well, he is not in studio like me. He is, Adam is actually, he was going to be in Salome and that was coming out in May. But unfortunately, as everyone knows, everything's been canceled. But his wife is from Oahu. So yes, he's no stranger uh, everything <laughs> like life has been canceled. something's happening what's going on <laughs> i i'm not gonna go into detail with you but we'll talk about it later if you don't know what's been happening last few months but his <laughs> wife adam's wife is from oahu and she is also an opera singer and um he would he so he sung for the hawaii opera theater before as well so no not studio like me but we'll talk about that in a little bit okay. and then also i do want to say Jasmine I had the pleasure of interviewing her she studied over at Georgetown and now she sings on a full-time basis as well as teaches and honestly her teaching kind of put me to shame that's true because... she has very good teaching skills yeah, I'm telling you so all right here we go let's talk to me Interview okay me. so so <laughs> oh, so, so totally moving kidding. forward I'm going to be on on these podcasts and today I'm going to interview the queen of opera so I have the questions, not you. Oh my goodness. He's in total control, guys. This is going to get scary. Uh-oh. Oh no. Okay. So, obviously, you're an opera singer. You know, currently... Am I? <laughs> okay. You're a... She's a pop singer. <laughs> so... Right I now, you, you currently Spears. have... You know, you have, you have the, the brand, the Queen of Opera that you're building up right now. Can you give yeah. us a little backdrop about where you're from... And why'd you get into opera? 
And I'll tell you where the opera, the queen of opera derived from as well. So, all right. It all started. Well, I, I didn't ask that question. It doesn't matter. I'm, <laughs> I'll, I'll get to well, that. You no, don't, see, you don't this control is, listen, how you're going to do listen, this. Listen, listen. Actually, this is how you control every conversation, guys, in case you don't know. If you want someone to know something about you or if you just want to tell them, this is what you do. You ask a question, even though it hasn't been asked. You say, so why the queen of opera? Let me tell you. And that's how no, that no, works. no, no, no. I learned that no, from no, the movie. No, no. It's called Zootopia. <laughs> <laughs> Did well. All right. I, yeah, so, I figured. Yeah. <laughs> you figured it was from Zootopia. Yeah, of course. Or you figured it was from a movie? No, from Zootopia. Wow. wow. See, we've watched that too much. We do have kids. So, yeah. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> I hope you guys are sitting down and drinking wine like I am because this is about to get interesting. So <laughs> it all started when I was a kid. I have always loved music, but I haven't always loved opera. Opera is a, in the grand scheme of things, relatively new to me. And I say that because I didn't grow up listening to opera, but I did grow up listening to a lot of different music. My dad has perfect pitch and he gave it to me. And now I have perfect pitch. And it's amazing because there are a lot of different genres of music that I felt like I could identify with and just love in like a big way, kind of like in an obsessive way, not in a normal I love music way. And so... I realized and my parents realized that I had something. So I was in acting classes. I was in a lot of performing arts things. But when I was 10, my mom got me into playing the violin. And I loved it so much that I was in competitions and I was doing a bunch of festivals and things. And one of these festivals I went to, they had us play a song for the for the end, like the end of the weekend performance in the concert and it was so beautiful and every time I played it I swear I thought I was gonna cry so I finally went to the conductor of my orchestra that that particular festival I think I was 11 and I said can you tell me what this is like what is it from it's so pretty and she said oh this is Omio Babino Caro it's from it's from an opera actually it's supposed to be sung but you know you guys are playing it on on violins and I went oh my gosh it and it felt like it should be sung and so I just I wanted to sing it like when I heard it I just wanted to sing it out and I didn't really again know opera at the time but my mom got me this old record player after that and a few operas or records you know some vinyls she bought for me to listen to but I don't know none of them really held my interest the way Puccini did I didn't know it was Puccini at the time anyway fast forward to middle school and high school and eventually instead of doing just orchestra I started to integrate choir as well so I was doing both orchestra and I was also doing chorus and I started to gravitate more toward the vocal. Well, uh, why why is that? Why why well, why did you go away, go away from the strings? Actually, I don't think I've ever asked you that. Why why did you yeah, go away from the yeah, strings? Yeah. Well, it wasn't so much that I wanted to. To be honest with you, if I could do anything like really real talk, I would conduct. <laughs> Opera real. Because <laughs> this is a real conversation. I. My my biggest love, first and foremost, is just 
if I could sit in the middle of an orchestra pit and listen to the strings around me, like I would like just to sit there, not, not do anything and just take it in. Yeah. But you got to make money. So that's, yeah, exactly. You got to make money, but also there comes a point where, although I love listening to it and it just, Oh, gives me goosebumps listening to really good sound vibrations, especially, especially the strings. I just have this desire to sing it and to just like open my mouth and let out this really crazy. It's funny when I was little, because this is my when I was little I used to see myself singing or like letting out these really big note like notes these really loud noises but I didn't know what opera was all about so it's interesting because I just I, I kind of felt it coming my whole life and then so why did I gravitate toward voice really I think because I just had that in me to do and also, I will say this, I started to notice, although I was always, I feel like I'm bragging now, but I'm going to brag anyway. Although, <laughs> you, okay. Okay. It, it's your show. You're supposed to brag. If you don't brag, no one's going to brag for you. That is true. That is true. And I'm always telling everyone else that. So I'm going to brag a little bit. As a violinist, I was always first chair, first violin, first chair. So I was always the best is what that means. So for those of you it's who like don't drumline. Know, yeah, it's like drumline where you like the first in line. So I was always first chair. I was, I was, I am a highly competitive person, but what I noticed was my voice, people would just kind of, I don't know, they would just get, they would say how they got goosebumps. They would cry. They would encourage me to keep going in a way that I thought, wow, this might be something I could do full time. And like everyone, not just some people, but like everybody. And it was, I, I personally, I live for the applause because I'm a Leo. And <laughs> I like seeing people's reactions when they hear me sing. So the reactions is actually what got me to start to gravitate from violin to voice because although I was always first chair, it was something different in the vocal vibrations that people reacted to like physically and emotionally would react to. So that's, that's when I really started to gravitate more toward voice. I thought, Oh, I actually have a really good voice. <laughs> so actually so the, pra- the praise got you then, Well, the, you know, yes. I mean, you know, people, okay. They're like, Oh my God. This is amazing. You need to, you know, keep on saying. Yeah, the fact that I kept getting put, and honestly, I felt really oblivious. It's like this hot girl who doesn't know she's hot for a long time, but everybody keeps saying how hot she is. And she's like, oh, yeah, I guess. And then, but she really doesn't see it. It was like that was my voice because for. Got it. I had one of those in high school. You had a hot girl like that? Didn't know she was hot. Oh, she didn't know she was hot. No. No. Yeah. Katie. What happens? Is that the Katie I met? Shout out. Yeah, Katie. You know Katie. Oh, yeah. She was awesome. Shout out to Katie. <laughs> I wonder what Katie's doing now. The only Katie in the world. We don't know her last name. <laughs> I do, but I'm not going to say it. Oh, she'll never hear it. Say it. Do it. Do it. No, no, no. <laughs> so, okay. So, so I was the the voice equivalent of Katie. And I didn't realize, but then once I did realize it, once I was aware of it, and once I realized, you know, like I had a lot of people say you have star presence and all those things, but 
the fact that I could do something with my voice. And again, so my mom tried to get me to sing like early on. So she was trying to get me to do pop and R and B and all these things. She was trying to get me into the recording studio, get a record label when I was younger, but it just never really satisfied me. So it wasn't until classical music that I felt this sounds silly, but I felt fulfilled like, Oh, this feels so good to sing, to let out the vibrato. And like everybody in my school sang R and B and pop, but classical was something different. It was unique, you know? Got it. I mean, it doesn't sound silly. I mean, you, you, you kind of found your calling, right? right? It doesn't yeah. sound so I, I found my calling something, something that none of my friends could do. And, and it's funny because all my friends could sing, but they couldn't all sing classical. And I used to get into debates with my friends and all of my friends were in mixed choir with me, which is basically a choir where you do a lot of straight tones. It's not like classical. You can do virtually. It was a show choir. So a lot of pop stuff, right? But the difference between me and everyone else was... They just couldn't sing classically, nor did they want to. But I started to just feel myself pull toward that. So anyway, and also it was funny. Every time we would always get into these debates on where, uh, like what key a song would start in. And this was before I realized I like classical music a lot. And they would always argue with me. And I'm like, okay, listen, I know that Alicia Keys song, like right now I could tell you. Fallen, her song Fallen starts like a certain way and they all like, no, 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 that's not how it is. It's lower. I'm like, guys, I don't know even why you're arguing with me. So the perfect pitch helped with the classical music a lot. And I realized that because I could keep tones very well. And there are a lot of songs. There are a lot of pieces where you just kind of have to start on pitch and there's no, there's no mm, like, there's no there's no piano or anything to start you. You just got to go. And it happens a lot with classical music. So that was fun because I could do it really easily. So I, I was I was just naturally good at it is what I'm saying. And you're saying your dad, he has perfect pitch. Yeah, right? my dad has perfect pitch and he plays a lot of different instruments. I mean, you know, he plays everything. Um, but one thing that he taught himself how to do in an amazing way is play piano and like he can play Debussy like I've never heard anyone play but my dad does not read sheet music so that's very interesting I've never heard anyone play the way he plays but he doesn't read any sheet music yeah okay so yeah so you 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 got oh go ahead no I mean so that's it so I just fell in love with it and again yeah I live for the applause and so the fact that so many people were very adamant about getting me into a lot of things. It seems like every time I start to sing people, their ideas start going. They're like, Oh, we got to do this. And we got to do this. And that's what happened. And so I was always um, asked to do district choir, uh, festival choir. There was a lot of festivals that I was always asked to be a part of with my voice. So, you know, it was cool because I was always asked to do the solos and asked to do all those things. And I thought, oh, well, then I'm, I should keep doing it because I like it. It's fun. And I, I like doing solos. So that's what I did. And then I realized when I got into college that I wanted to do it full time. Like if I could just sit in a room and sing all day, the only other thing that would be what I'd want to do is like sit and listen to strings. So it was, it's really one or the other for me always, uh, as long as it's music. So, 
I did that in college. I, I majored as a voice performance major. Um, the, well, let, let me ask you about yeah. that. And, and so, so the crowd knows. So basically let's, let's fast forward a little bit to college and high school, uh-huh. maybe a little bit before that you figured out you wanted to be an opera singer, but then you get to college and you're doing voice, you're doing voice, you're doing voice. And then you change it up to get a trifecta, <laughs> trifecta, <laughs> a trifecta degree, if you will, where it's voice, it's philosophy, it's business and it's uh, linguistics. Yeah. Why? What? Well, I can tell you, so I will say, I'm going to back up just a little bit and tell you guys, the reason why I realized I wanted to do opera specifically was because an opera singer came to my high school and she sang, and I had never been exposed to opera like that. Like I, my mom had bought me a record player and she had bought operas, you know, like uh, opera on vinyl. But until this opera singer came to the school, I didn't know what it was really like to hear an opera singer just like come out with it, like the full force. So when I heard that, I said, that's Bam. And that was when I realized so I was 15 and I said, I'm going to be an opera singer. And that was it. And so, it, you know, I, it was just decided. So what happened was when I got into college, yes, I majored in voice performance. So the track is called a BM in vocal performance. And so I did that. But what happened was I realized because I I was speaking Spanish all throughout high school. My stepmom's from Spain. My stepdad's from Colombia. And so I was exposed very heavily from a really young age to the Spanish culture. So I always wanted to be fluent in Spanish. And so I was speaking Spanish from the time I was about 13. And I also just I love philosophy, like everything surrounded by philosophy. And I will talk about why at a later date because I feel like such a nerd saying what really really got me into doing philosophy but I knew I wanted to do more than just the music as far as the degree I I knew no matter what it didn't really matter what my degree was going to be in honestly it was something I was going to do when I graduated I was going to sing no matter what so it didn't matter but what I noticed was that when you get a voice performance degree is there's literally no time for anything else like you can and and all you voice majors and everybody like you guys know there's no time for anything else and I love to sing like you didn't have to get me in the practice room I'd be in the practice room for hours like if I wasn't in my classes I was in the practice room I was always singing 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 because I just did it because it was fun but I didn't care for it. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't really care for all the other extra classes is what I call them. They called them required classes. I call them extra. I was like, ah, you know, so I did it all the way up until my junior year and I did my junior recital and I was studying intensely. At one point I had like mm, nine classes at a time, but I started to realize that my other classes, which were Spanish, they were more of the escape. So what I did was after I moved to Hawaii, got married, when I went back to finish my degree, I realized I wanted a little more of a well-rounded degree, not just voice. And I want to reiterate and emphasize, there wasn't a doubt in my mind that I was going to be an opera singer. I just wanted to do something that didn't 
have to be so rigid. And that's the thing about a voice performance degree that I think is really important to understand, especially for all of you guys who are budding opera singers and also who are in school. That's one thing that if you do this track, that is it. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just for me, I like business and marketing. So I took classes in business and marketing. I really love Spanish and I became completely fluent in it because I decided to- Which which in hindsight- which obviously because I'm, you know, I see you every day, but in hindsight, the, you know, the philosophy and the business along with the music degree, I mean, that was kind of priceless oh my if you think about it. Yeah. Because you, you wouldn't be where you are today if it wasn't for that. You would think that there's only one way to do things right. when, you know, exactly when that's just not the case. And I feel like you almost should be not forced, but I think you should have to do more than one major. I did. That's just how I feel. Because then if you get so one-sided, then you feel like this is it. This is what I have to do. This is it. This is it. This is it. And then all of a sudden, and I can tell you from personal experiences, well, from observation, seeing other opera singers or other voice performance majors that they all majored and they got their degree in uh, voice performance. So they got their BM and then they went on and got their master's. And I, I'm thinking of a few right off the top of my head. I'm still friends with that. We all went to school together and all of them graduated with their BM. And then they went to get their master's and they studied specifically opera. And can I tell you, not a single one of them sing anymore and i and also one of the things that was kind of sad was that the reason why and because i've talked to them and also they've talked about it like you know publicly they've said they got burnt out they got burnt out from auditions from constantly putting themselves out there with no uh financial backing with no reciprocation as far as them being in operas and I knew in a certain sense that I just didn't want that to be the only thing that I had to rely on. I wanted to do more. And also, I really like business. The whole time I was in college, I had my own cleaning business. So I was running a business and also understanding real estate because I come from a family of people that are in real estate, realtors and just real estate professionals. So I knew I wanted to understand the business of whatever. And I also wanted to understand the philosophy behind things. So, yeah, it was really cool. And it's funny for those of you guys who don't really know me and Drew, we took a lot of philosophy classes together at UCF, which was so much fun to sit there like with your husband because we were married at the time. We took a lot of philosophy classes together. and It was really cool. We're divorced now. (laughs) Ha ha. No, we're not. But we... We took a ton of philosophy classes, even classes actually that I wasn't technically enrolled in because I'm a nerd. I like going to school. I would sit in his classes. So like I remember I I did an entire semester of uh, religion, world religion with him. And we were in American philosophy together and intro to philosophy. And I, and then for me, I took 21st century philosophy and anthropology. So it was really interesting to get that aspect of life but then also become fluent, completely fluent in Spanish, all the while getting my degree as well in music. And so I had a three-part degree, interdisciplinary studies, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. Honestly, I would never change what I did. I'm so glad that I did it the way that I did. Because again, I'm of all of my peers and my colleagues, I'm the only one that I know that is still singing. 
Yeah, that's true. And then I want to say something. You've recently ran a poll, and we had a couple of YouTube videos out um, on YouTube, duh, yeah. Opera Hot Topics, where where you took a poll, and a lot of people were complaining about, I not the Europeans, not but the, the Europeans. Americans. Yeah, but the Americans were complaining. If I remember correctly, they were complaining about, you know, the you know, the college didn't prepare them, you know, for how to actually succeed in the opera world. And I think everyone you've talked to minus the Europeans echoed the same thing. They didn't quite understand um, coming out of college that there was more than one way to do things. They thought it was, you know, um, tryout after tryout after tryout. And exactly. that was it. They, they didn't real. Yeah. They didn't quite realize that there's so many routes to do things and college didn't prep you for that. It was kind of like, like a breeding farm, you yes. know, get them in, get them out, get them in, get them and out. And here's the problem. Here's exactly the whole reason why I wanted to start this podcast in the beginning was because when I started taking these polls, I realized just how many American graduates of a vocal performance degree are not prepared for the business of opera. They are not prepared for what happens when you graduate. Now, don't get me wrong. You have all of these fests that happen. Oh, you can go to Italy for six weeks and enter this program and you can be fully immersed with a principal role, you know, as Violetta from La Traviata and see what it's like firsthand, right? There are tons of those summer programs. And even when you graduate, like you can do it even as a professional. There are all these competitions that you can enter. You can enter auditions for people to judge your voice. And so that's the whole reason why I started the Opera Hot Topics was because I realized there is a business of, hmm, what's the best way to say it? The business of opera judgment. But Well, it, well you know, they're trying to make money as right. well. So it, it's kind of the business of, I don't want to say taking advantage of, but they're like, hey. Well, you're naive. Well, I would say taking advantage of, and that's what really pisses me off because I do feel like they are. mm, I want to say budding vocalists are some of the most taken advantage of, and it's not okay. But the thing is, we don't have enough education in the business of the industry prior to graduating. And so that's one thing. What I asked everyone, I had two things that that I asked everyone and I'm a part of a lot of opera groups. And so the first thing I asked people was how many of you, when you were studying or if you're currently studying are either offered or took a class in the business and how to prepare yourself as a, as an independent contractor, as a sole proprietor to get out there and you know, go into business for yourself. What what does it take? What is your, what should your CV look like? What are auditions all about beyond just the auditions, but specifically what should your contracts look like? What are you, should you even rely on Right? Do you need an artist management company to represent you or can you represent yourself? And if so, what does it look like? What does this really look like in the real world? And a And it was so sad because there were so many people that responded to this question. So I asked this question in tons of Facebook groups and so many of them, with the exception of, I think one over in Ireland said, no, I've never been exactly in Ireland. I've never been offered a class like that. Or no, I was never, I never took that. No one except for one in an, uh, 
in a, in a conservatory in Ireland said, actually, yeah, we were given that no one. And it was so frustrating to see because I went me neither. And that's why I was so excited that I, or I was happy that I took classes in business and in marketing because I understood a fundamental truth that I believe all opera singers should understand, which is you must know how to represent and brand yourself no matter what, because if you are not rooting for you first and foremost, no matter who you are begging for the attention for, you know, whether again, it's a competition, it's an audition or it's an opera. If you don't put your best foot forward and brag about yourself and know how to do it and know how to negotiate for yourself, no one else is going to do it for you. You have to know how to represent yourself. Yeah. Th- then it's kind of like, I mean, it's, it's really shooting in the dark. And, and yeah. then I think that that's backed by all of your friends that you went to college with. No one's singing it anymore. They spent yeah. all that time. They got their masters and then they eventually quit Yeah, because they, you know, they didn't quite understand the business side of it, you know, like exactly. Like they didn't understand the business side. And even me, for instance, like I may not necessarily know the, the business side of opera only, but I understand business and guys, when you understand business and marketing that can pertain to any industry period. So I, I will say in hindsight, and it's funny because I, I feel like I had this inner knowing that it was necessary to venture off and not just dive into the politics of opera, classical music, the classical industry, the classical music industry. And so it was nice because it was able to give me a perspective that you really do have to know how to represent yourself. And so that's what we were talking about. So what happened was after I, I had a little bit of a hiatus when I was in college, I ended up moving to Hawaii. I met this amazing man. Oh my gosh. And I totally like fell in love, but I got married uh, to Drew. Okay. And then, no, so Drew, <laughs> Drew and yeah. I had been together for a long time, but he had moved to Hawaii. And so I decided that I was going to move to Hawaii as well. And we got married and I ended up working for Macaroni Grill. And so if anybody knows Macaroni Grill, they know that once upon a time, they used to have a lot of opera singers. So was this your first paid gig as an opera singer? This was my first paid gig as an opera singer. Yes. Or, or was it the second? Didn't you? Was no, Madame Butterfly oh, oh. before this? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. I totally forgot. Yeah. So I was with the Orlando Opera when I was in college. And I, so I sang in Madame Butterfly. I was a part of the chorus. And it was really cool because they didn't typically get college students to be a part of the course they they would wait until you graduated but i i auditioned and i was able to do it with the orlando opera before they were opera orlando as they are now like orlando opera and so i ended up becoming friends with the president jim ireland the late jim ireland he's passed now and um it was it was amazing it was such a great experience it was my first on stage you know well on stage for opera I had been a part of stage performances before. Um, 
but anyway, oh, Tosca was the first opera I ever saw back in college as well. But then I got to be a part of Madame Butterfly, which are both Puccini operas. And also when I was at UCF, I got to sing with Michael Bublé. So that was really cool because it, and that was when I realized like I could totally do the whole big stage, thousands of people thing because I got on stage with Michael Bublé as a backup singer and they had approached my voice teacher and asked for a few women to sing. They were on their UCF arena or they're on their US uh, tour of 2008. And so they came to the UCF arena. I'm going to get this out eventually. They came <laughs> to the UCF arena and it was me and two other people. And we sang for Michael Bublé for one of his songs. And it was just one song. And it was such an amazing experience. But like people were asking for my autograph because they saw me standing while I was watching him sing on the songs that I wasn't singing with him. I was singing or I was in the pit on the side. And they were like, oh, you know, they thought I must be famous because, you know, you're standing on the sides. and You are famous. Yeah. Well, I mean, now, but then <laughs> I was nobody. I was no one. And, and he was amazing, by the way, in case anyone's curious, because I know everyone's wondering, is Michael Bublé awesome? Yes. Yes, he is. He was so charismatic and so sweet. And oh my gosh. And also I got to meet, um, I got to meet Emily Blunt because he was dating her at the time and it was her birthday. And so she's hilarious. <laughs> I don't want to get into that. Don't, don't you dare say it. I, won't. I feel it coming. Don't tell everyone the story. I know. Say nothing. But anyway, yeah, so it was great. It was a great experience. And I realized that, yes, I could totally do this. And and big crowds did not scare me at all. The bigger the crowd, the more excited I got and the more comfortable I felt in my own skin. And so anyway, cut to Macaroni Girl, like I was talking about. I got to Hawaii and I realized if I had to sing every single night as an opera singer, um, I would need to learn a lot of repertoire because I had, and also, and this goes back around to the whole perfect pitch thing. When you're singing as an opera singer and a restaurant, number one, it teaches you to get a thick skin. First and foremost, you got to get a thick skin because some nights people are going to love you and say, Oh my goodness, I'm on vacation. I'm drunk. And I really love that. There's an opera singing singer singing next to me for my anniversary or birthday or whatever. And then there are going to be some nights when it's a new moon and they're going to go, why is she singing? Could you please stop it? I'm trying to eat. So you really have to develop a thick skin and be okay no matter what. I hear your bottle cap in the background. You must be drinking nope. beer. Nope. <laughs> so, yeah, I was really excited to do that. It was a really interesting experience. It was something I wasn't used to because I was used to being in college where everybody's like super catty and very judgmental, but nothing and in no kind of negative, um, no negative feedback could compare to being a voice major. So everything else is pretty, pretty much cake. Um, but being an opera singer at Macaroni Girl was fun because again, like, you know, you've got people on vacation and they love it. And so I had to sing more than I had ever really, and I mean, performed, like I practiced all the time, but to perform every single night, I had to get over my stage fright, like right away. And I did have stage fright. I was actually for a little bit there and, and in college nervous to sing in front of people. Although 
in the big crowds, I was totally fine. But singing in front of just a, a few people or tens or hundreds, it was a little nerve wracking. So it made me get over that really quick because it was my job. Like I had to do it. So that was a cool experience. I got to do that for a while. And then I ended up moving back to Florida to finish my degree with my husband and some babies. (laughs) And yeah, so that's when I decided to split my degree, not just voice performance, but that's when I did uh, interdisciplinary studies. So I got to do Spanish and philosophy as well. And I graduated and yeah so you graduated and yeah yeah and yeah and there you go and here i am no (laughs) (laughs) so so what so when did you graduate what did you do after you graduated well what i did was i graduated in 2014 may 3rd 2014 go nights and what i decided was instead of going right into singing i you know, I have a family at this point. It's not just me. And so what I did was I got into real estate because again, my family was heavily involved in real estate in Florida. And I was also heavily involved in real estate. So were you, Drew is a real estate agent. At the time I was his assistant when we were both doing real estate way back when. Um, And so I decided that what I was going to do at the time I was working for a property management company that my mother actually, um, she headed up. And so what I decided was when I graduated, I was going to get my real estate license and become a sales agent. And so that's what I did. I became a sales agent first, but all the while, the whole time, guys, like I knew I'm still going to do music. It didn't matter what was going on. I was still going to do it. And so I, it was almost like having two different lives. And I always used to joke about it because I was a real estate agent by day or I was a, an opera singer by night because I would sing at a lot of different places, black tie events, charity events, um, star spickle banner where I needed to, but I was a realtor 24 seven. Cause that's really, you just, it took the front seat and I was, I was constantly singing. Yes, but I was a sales agent. And so I was doing a lot of deals and I was uh, closing on a lot of houses with my clients. But all the while, the funny thing is my, my clients didn't love the real estate of me as much as they loved the opera singer part. So I became the opera realtor. And so knowing business the way Drew and I do. Yeah. And knowing branding. So, so when you started, you know, we started the brand called the opera realtor, the opera realtor. Yes. And so what we decided to do, because Drew was also doing business and marketing and philosophy while he's in school. Right. And as well as math. So there's a lot of different subjects and disciplines that we were able to integrate to create the opera realtor. And so what we decided was we might as well make this as big of a brand as possible. So instead of going the, again, the traditional route of I graduate, I, you know, create a CV or a resume as a lot of people know, but a CV is like more detailed, create a CV and have audition tapes. And hopefully somebody will pick me up some artist management program, some opera house or some young artist program, you know, instead of hoping someone was going to come along and say, bam, I want you because we really are a dime a dozen Sopranos. We decided collectively that we were going to brand me again as the opera realtor. So what we did was. Well, what we did was create, create the opportunities instead of wait for them to come to us. 
Exactly. So we created this persona of the opera realtor and created a lot of opportunities. So in order to do that at the time, social media was in a, when I say social media, I mean, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn specifically, specifically those four and also Periscope. This is before Twitter bought Periscope. So we said, I mean, it's kind of still those platforms. If you think about it, it those, really, those yeah. are still kind of the main ones. Yeah, it's true. So we decided that those were the platforms that we were going to really hit up hard. And so what I did was I was always singing, but also, and yes, there was a lot of real estate integrated, but again, a lot of my clients, what gravitated them toward me was not so much the real estate as it was the opera. So what would happen is we were getting a lot of clients and they would if you Google the opera realtor, don't do it now because you're not going to find me, not nearly. You you but might. I, you might still find You might find, still find yeah. some remnants, some, like, some residual things. But at the time, if you Googled the opera realtor, you could find my face, my voice everywhere. And this is, just so you guys understand, this was in 2015. So it was just all over. And so much so that I got like like town famous in Orlando and Orlando is pretty big. So central Florida, everyone knew me. So they're like, Oh, you're the opera realtor everywhere. I went like all real estate professionals knew me, which was funny because a lot of the people that we knew, they were like, you know, social media is not going to help you gain clients, but that actually oh, yeah. couldn't have been farther <laughs> from the truth. Yeah. Because... Well, we, well, we were ahead of the curve with that one. Yeah. We, yeah. yeah. We, we, we knew, we knew its power. Yeah, so we realized that social media played a huge role and not necessarily just the real estate industry, just in having credibility and celebrity in general. So again, for all of you opera singers out there, if you really want to gain a foothold or you want people to see you instead of just being one of the many opera singers, you have to stand out. And in order to do that, number one, start branding yourself, but also number two, do it a lot, like a lot. Like if you think you're doing too much, go do more. And that's really how you Yeah, feel. and and then I mean realistically speaking, like an ungodly amount. Like Yeah. Like, like when oh, you wow, think you've I done you too joking. much, you're not doing like, it. Yeah, like oh, that's crazy. So like that much. Yeah. And that's exactly how and and I will tell you if we hadn't branded that much, I don't think I would have been invited to be on the TV shows and the yeah. radio stations that I was. So so the branding helped a lot, a lot, a lot. I mean, not just helped. It, it created the persona of the opera realtor. And so that's what I did initially. I didn't just immediately go into like, okay, now I'm going to go audition for some principal roles or some whatever um, audition. Although I, I was doing auditions kind of on the sidelines. Mainly what I was doing was creating a persona of I am an opera singer uh, and I also sell homes. And so as a result, when my clients would Google me and I would tell them all like, Hey, just Google my name or Google the opera realtor. They found me and they would stick and they would like me because it was a brand that they could recognize and that they could trust as a result. And so they were way more interested in the music. I mean, so many people, they're like, they didn't so, care about the realtor. So brands. can you tell the audience, you know, what were some, you know, what were some things that came of the opera realtor? What were, you know, what were some opportunities and, you know, what, what did you do? Well, <laughs> as the opera realtor, the, one of the 
major first things with like I was always singing guys you know so I was I was still doing some some gigs here and there just because I wanted to have marketing you know I wanted to have something to brand something to okay I have a recording here I black tie event I'm doing there the biggest thing came and it was in 2015 October 2015 when ABC reached out some a producer of ABC's The Chew that was a TV show at the time. It was like a talk show. They called me and asked me if I would be interested in being on their TV show. They were coming to Epcot, which is Disney World in Florida. And they were coming from New York and wanted to... They thought that my brand was really good for the show. And not just my brand, but also the family. And so, it, you know, it's a family show. If you guys remember The Chews, it's like The View, but for food. So they don't do it anymore. But um, yeah, so we got to go to the Food and Wine Festival and be on it. Now, the funny thing about this was almost every person, because there were a lot of people I mean, that actually. That's just one of many. You know, you're yes, on, yes, you know, so you're on N- NPR called you. Yeah. You're, you're on um, a pay-per-view well, boxing was, event. Yes, Telemundo. And so, yeah, I was within a span of a few months we were doing this and I, I really want to put this in perspective for those who think it just magically happens because that's not at all how it happens yeah um, there's there's no magic man with a wand it's it's a lot of grinding we were doing this for about let's see from june 2000 well really branding from the beginning of 2015 until about october 2015 right but we were laying the foundation for about a year and a half where Again, Drew was my main and still is just to just to put things into perspective. So Drew does a lot of the promotion, the branding, the marketing, all that stuff. And I do the singing. You know, I'm the singer, my face, my voice. But when we were doing the opera realtor, same exact thing, same concept, guys. So uh, we were doing this for about 10 months. And then everything in a matter of days and weeks started to just completely flourish and pop off. And so from uh, ABC calling me to HGTV asking me to be on one of their TV shows, it was a spinoff show called Lakefront Bargain Hunt at the time. And for me being on NPR radio in Florida, so it was WMFE and being um there's a lot of things that happened you, all you sang for oh a the inauguration event. of I a did. big councilman yeah he was the orange county property appraiser so he asked me to sing because he heard me at a black tie charity event singing and so it just it was like one domino effect it was a domino effect so it was one thing after another where it just all happened in a matter of, again, a few weeks, really. But this was from months and months of months of laying the foundation of branding. So I, I want to make it so clear because I think this is not something that is talked about enough for opera singers. It's really not just you learn your repertoire, you learn your sheet music, you get your music theory down and all those things. You graduate and then, boom, you're an opera singer. You really do. And I understand my route was not just geared toward I'm going to be on a stage. My route was I'm going to brand myself and get famous. It was like that. And so initially anyway, and it wasn't so much the, 
it wasn't about being recognized by the Metropolitan Opera or my even my local opera companies. It was just be recognized at all. It works is my point. And so, yeah, I was recognized by a lot of places. I got to sing uh, on pay-per-view and Telemundo after that. And just it just kept going one thing after another. Now, what I ended up doing was a bit different because after that started to happen, I, I veered off a little bit. And instead of being just a realtor, we started to own our, we started to, we opened our own real estate company. So we were doing something a bit different for a few years after that. Yeah. Actually, yeah. we went, we went away from, from singing for about, Completely. Two, about, yeah, about two years. Right. Yeah. And we did more of the business aspect of things. So what we wanted to do was just entirely different than, opera and music we just it was very geared toward business so once we moved to Hawaii which was about two years ago we had at this point fast forward we had a real estate brokerage and we had um, a very a, a very successful company that was completely a remote brokerage for budding realtors but in the process I realized that I did miss music a lot and I yeah, really did want to go back. Yeah. The passion wasn't there. I mean, for, I, yeah. I think for both of us, if you will, the music was missing and so many aspects of life was missing. And it was, you, you know, like you said, like you said, it was, it was a very successful company. Uh, we got it up and running. Um, we, but it, we got, but it, we got it automated, the but the passion, was not yeah, it just wasn't there. Yeah. And so we decided that one of the things that we, we're going to do collectively was to go back to the music. And when I say collectively, honestly, because everything that we've done has, although I'm the voice and I'm the face right around, right alongside me has been true. And so he's like, okay, listen, I think you really do need to go back to music. And so here's a funny story. I want to tell you guys. So what happened was this was at the end of 2018 we still had a real estate brokerage going and it was remote. It was being run in Florida, but we were living in Hawaii and we had decided not to grow the way we had initially intended, which is to go completely national. We were like, okay, so we're not going to do that for right now. And I was involved. I always end up going back around to music. So I was involved in a, a, a local choir here, the volcano festival choir. And I go to, I go to the uh, practice one day and Drew said to me, he's like, you know, every time you go to chorus, I notice that you're just ha a lot happier. Music just makes me so happy. And so I'm like, yeah, this yeah. is something I really need to yeah, do. Yeah. You went from, um, miserable and crazy to, wow. Thanks so much to a Cinderella <laughs> butterfly. Wow. I was like, wow. You, who is this person so that came home? You are so going to hear from me later when I'm in the next room with you and not social distance. <laughs> this is this is why I told you to go to the other room. I can't say but, this if you're next. Yeah, room. you can't. Cause you're going to give me like you. a like an evil look. Like I'm not going to give you cutting, an evil look. We're cutting that out of the podcast. I'm, I'm not going to give you an evil look. I'm just going to slap you. That's all there is to it. No, but for real, I went to I went to practice one day and I was sad. I don't know why. Whatever. It is what it is. And I came home and I was just really happy. And he's like, you know, you need to do music again. And so I'm like, okay. So I decided to, and it was funny because I was asked to sing in another chorus and this was right before Christmas. And it was in December of 2018. Yeah. And the, the crowd was so blown away when I sang it was for Handel's Messiah. And everyone kept saying, 
because I was new, guys. You got to understand, although Drew's family is very well known here in, in Hawaii and on the Big Island, specifically Volcano, no one really knew who he was because he had been gone so long. And no one knew who I was. So when they heard me sing, everyone kept coming up and saying, who are you? Where do you come from? Like, yeah, they're asking they me. They're really... like, they're like, are you the Soprano's husband? <laughs> These are kids. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I forgot. I forgot. Music has an effect. Yeah, and so everyone was so blown away. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, you have the voice of an angel. And so the this is what was so funny about the whole thing, though. Every time someone said, who are you, and where do you come from? I started to introduce myself the way I had been doing for the past two years, which is, oh, yeah, I'm a real estate broker. We own a company. Follow me, Realty. Yeah, we're expanding to Hawaii. <laughs> we're expanding. And they would just look like, oh, I don't care. I wanted to hear about your music story. So disappointed. <laughs> no, but they, no, it was like, it didn't register no, with them. The lady it was I in told one you, ear and not the other. She was, the lady I told, she was like, oh, I, I thought oh. you were a winner, buddy. Like wow. she was so, yeah, she was so disappointed. I was like, oh, weird. <laughs> so what we realized was what really resonates with people, it really is the music. And, and that there are those who are not only happy to, but like more than willing to support something that I've always wanted to do full time. I've never completely pulled the trigger. So I remember that night we went home and I said to Drew, we were talking about what we were going to do and, and just really understanding did we want to continue with the company or did we want to do music full time and it was kind of like this thing you know how you guys come to a crossroads you're in limbo and drew said i think it's time for you to do this full time it's time to go all the way and i'm like okay boom here we and go that was it and December that's 2018 is when we started the queen of yes. opera brand and so what happened was i was really trying to come up with another brand because i can't be the opera realtor anymore so i thought again so you have to really understand guys branding is so important and so sometimes that means creating a name a pseudonym an alter ego actually every time so you can go by your name if you have a completely totally unique name and i do but nobody's going to know how to spell deandrea let's be honest so I wanted something that people would not only recognize, but they would, it, it's very polarizing to call yourself the queen of opera is almost offensive because it's like, who are you to say you're the queen of opera when I've been studying for 20 years or I'm on stages and I've debuted at the Met. And that was exactly the point. I am the queen of opera. Everything I do is centered around opera. And so you've got to be that polarizing because then people may not always like you, but they will remember you. And so that's what happened. Okay. So let, let's move, let's move forward to today. You know, we've been doing this or, You've been doing this. No, we've for been about, doing it though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. I can't sing. So he has the voice of an angel. No, I don't. It's not true. <laughs> Listen to me though. talk. So <laughs> my so, voice is soothing. Yeah, is yeah. Not. My, I'm like, I'm. So I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm like, I'm kind of fearing editing this. I'm like, Jesus, do I sound You've like done that it guy? Before you can do it again. So anyway, so so. It's, it's a year and a half now. So, so kind of walk us through, you know, what you've experienced thus far. I mean, again, with the same principles that you've used the Queen of Opera, we, we've seen similar success. I mean, not yeah. the Queen of Opera, the Opera Realtor. We, we, you know, with the same principles using the Opera Realtor, we've seen similar success with the Queen of Opera. Can you kind of walk, walk me through or walk the audience through 
your successes, um, maybe a little bit yeah. of your failures and, and what you, you know, what you plan to do with this and, and where you're going. Yeah. So what, what I ended up realizing early on was well, the, one of the first things, and it was kind of funny because although I've been classically trained and at this point now I've been doing this for about 15 years, but the repertoire, the repertoire, oh, the repertoire has been so sad. Now, guys, mind you, I've sung in German, in French, in Italian, and in English. So those are the four languages that I was trained to sing in. I know Spanish, but I never really did any what they call zarzuelas, which is like a Spanish or a classical version of, you know, art songs. There goes that bottle cap. <laughs> yep. I wanted to make wow. it nice and loud. Wow, that was loud. Thanks so much. So what I realized was that, and it was funny because I I became the queen of opera, but I didn't have a lot of opera under my belt, like at all. <laughs> and you know what's funny? I didn't know this at the time. No, I was you like, didn't. I'm like, what are you so talking funny. about? You, you were don't like, know Casta Diva? And are you so, about? so the thing, Casta Diva. Oh my gosh, Casta Diva. Casta Diva. I, did, I didn't say it like that. Yeah, you did. I'm going to listen back to this until you did. No, but I didn't really have a lot of opera repertoire. I had a lot of classical art songs under my belt, but I didn't have a lot of operatic repertoire. And it's, it's funny. I wouldn't be telling you guys this if I didn't now have a lot. <laughs> it was really embarrassing, but I went, Oh, now I actually have to go learn like a lot more repertoire. I was relying on a lot of what I had learned from years ago that I had been singing for so long. And so Drew's like, well, dude, you got to learn some new rep. Right. And so uh, what I started to do was, first of all, I started to record myself singing a lot more, which really helped because at the time when I was studying voice, I was relying a lot on my voice teachers to tell me what I sounded like or, you know, juries or singing at what they call music forum, like you sing in front of other people. But I wanted to start to get more in tune with what is what does deandria like (laughs) (laughs) but no that's hilarious but what what do i like what what satisfies my soul what really do i tune into because i've always been a lover of puccini but it it started to make me question and i feel like i'm i'm cheating on him to say this yeah yeah listen i'm just gonna say this and this is a lot of people out there i listen i listen puccini's long gone so I don't mean to offend beyond you. the grave, but listen, I, I don't. I think it's a little overrated. I'm going to be honest. With you. Everybody's Bite like, "Oh, Puccini." Listen, I'm. I'm just saying. I think it's a little overrated. Just keeping it real. So unfortunately, as much as I thought I'd never say this, I. Oh, I agree. You think really? You think he's overrated a little bit? I. I won't say he's overrated. I would say that maybe overly praised, and there's so many other. Okay, I wouldn't even say that. This is what I would say. This is what I would say. I have now learned enough of others, such as Rossini, Verdi. Uh, Yes. Rachmaninoff, I'm not even going to get into Mozart because I'm still not that big of a Mozart fan. I think he's overrated. I will say that. Sorry, guys. I I said what I said. I mean what I say. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I said what I said. But I understand more about 
composers and their musicianship to say that there are so many more composers that I believe that like vibrations wise, just the, the, the music itself is like, Oh, like just so beautiful. I love Madame Butterfly. I love um, Manon Lesco. I love Turandot. I, like I, I love all these operas by Puccini, but I can tell you, I struggled a lot with Tosca, for instance, when I'm singing Visitarte and my voice coach or my voice teacher is giving me Visitarte when I'm 21 years old. And everyone that was a seasoned professional at the time is telling me, listen, you shouldn't be singing such heavy arias. And I was offended. I was offended. I'm like, that's not true. I can't believe they would say that. But I am more of a lyric spento soprano. But I didn't want to listen because I hadn't really been exposed to other composers. Now that I understand Verdi, like, oh my gosh, I feel like he's my everything. Seriously, Rachmaninoff. The, no, like, yeah, yeah. Wait, Rachmaninoff is Verdi? No, no. We, they're two different composers. Come on. Verdi, Italian, Rachmaninoff, Russian. But what I'm saying is like they're... Well, you, those... said, you said Verdi, Rachmaninoff. So I'm like, oh. Yes, Verdi, comma... Rachmaninoff. You didn't. You didn't say comma. Well, right. that's because I'm not talk texting. Duh. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, these two different composers, like their pieces, I was not exposed to. Samuel Barber, I was not ex- real, not like to its fullest extent, exposed to this kind of music. It was like I like it opened a whole new world to do this for me and not for my degree. Is what I'm saying. Oh, okay, I got you. You know, and so to really decide to explore things because I like what they sound like, not what opera purists, and that's the nicest way for me to say it, or what. And that that is a beautiful podcast, yeah. For later. yeah, and we will right? talk opera about purists. opera purists, and we're gonna post oh, them I in all of the I Facebook groups because there are so many opera purists there that have never sung a lick of music in their life, and they have everything to say about opera singers. So yes, we're gonna post it there, and we're gonna talk about it. But for today, I will just say I had an opportunity to, and I have had an opportunity to explore things for myself instead of the way someone or the way I think someone thinks I should sound or whatever it is. So anyway, I've had an opportunity to increase my repertoire like, like tenfold. So just to give you an understanding, I think I had a good, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud like 20 pieces that I knew really, 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 really well when I graduated college. And now just in the matter of 2020 and we're in May of 2020, I have sung and recorded 40 pieces alone. And this is art songs and opera, but mainly operatic. Yeah. So, so basically. And just in 2020, I'm not even talking about 2019. Well, well, you're talking about a year and a half, right? Well, and a year and a half far more than that. Yeah. Okay, I got you. I got you. Okay, well, can you so can you so can you explain to the crowd maybe you know what you've done since creating the Queen of Opera brand? What are what oh, are yeah. some gigs you you sang at, et cetera, et cetera? What are the opportunities that you know, you it's know so funny. that were presented was, to you? Yeah. I was waiting for the et cetera, et cetera, because you used to do that a lot in the other podcasts. Etc. Et I mean, I still, I still do that. <laughs> yeah, clearly. So, <laughs> what I've done so far. So, when I first started, guys, you all know 
And if you don't know, now you know I live on the Big Island of Hawaii. So it's there are no opera houses, no opera companies on this island. Okay. I, what, what I it doesn't why may I have one or no? They don't have an opera. Mm, it's not very well known. So it's not like a lot of opera singers are like flocking. It's the it's I got the, you. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. So to to reiterate, there are not a lot of big opera companies here. And to be honest with you, there are not a lot of opera singers. And even them, the Hawaii, I think it's the Performing Arts Festival, even they fly in a lot of people from other places because opera is not really something that has been taken over by anyone until me on this island. So what happened was so I live in Volcano, east side of the island. And I realized really quickly in order to do this on a full-time basis. Not only do I need to do things online, which I do often, but I also had to really get the community following. And so the first thing I did was I just started to reach out to as many places as humanly possible. We'll talk about this on a later podcast, but I just went through online events that were coming up and just started calling every single event and cold calling, basically asking them, can I sing? Can I sing? I'm an opera singer. Can I sing? And that's where I started. And so I just said, hey, I'd like to sing. I'm known as the queen of opera (laughs) two days ago. (laughs) I just became known as the queen (laughs) of opera. Can I sing? And so what happened was I realized, okay, I have to record some performances because they, you know, they are like, well, who are you? They wanted to see my face, wanted to hear my voice. And so um, it started there in 20, early 2019, January. I just started singing every place I could, any place that would accept me initially. I would sing and I would record those performances. Then I'd have more repertoire. Then I had more content, more marketing. And I would have, you know, we did lots of photo shoots and basically one thing led to another almost always. And that's how it happens everywhere. Whether we were in Florida that happened and also here in Hawaii, And so I ended up landing a consistent gig at a local five-star restaurant here. And it's a really nice place to perform. And so I started singing there, but then I started to branch out to some of the resorts here in Hawaii. And then once more people started to know who I was, I, (laughs) I became somewhat of a local celebrity here as well. And Everywhere I went, they all knew me as the queen of opera. And so I would, I've been singing a lot of places. Um, I did my first solo uh, concert last June in 2019. And so that was a really big deal. It was huge, you know, right, uh, like whole I don't know what they call centerfold, not Playboy centerfold, not yet. Um, but it was like a <laughs> whole yet. centerfold. Yeah, he was the- dead. He's dead. <laughs> it was a whole big thing in the newspaper. I was singing and I did um, a flower drum song. And I so I've been singing a lot, like a lot of performances, a lot of concerts in 2019. And there were so many lined up for 2020 as well. But as Drew does not know, something really big has been happening in 2020 <laughs> that hindered me from doing the bigger ones. But what was really cool, what I wanted to say was, Every performance led me to a new one. And the biggest one I've had so far that I was supposed to do in June is the Rotary International with over 30,000 people that were supposed to be in attendance. And I was going to be singing for it. And this is alongside Robert Cosimero. And if you guys know Hawaii, then you, you know who he is. You know, and I was also supposed to sing with Henry. 
with Henry Capono. And this was literally a week before the shutdown in Hawaii. I was going to be singing with Henry Capono over on the Kona side of the island. So there's a lot of things that have been happening and they just have been going bigger and bigger and bigger. And so, okay. So, so listen, I'm, I, I want to say this and I, and you know this, but I want everyone to, okay. That okay. you're not that good at promoting yourself. You, so this is, this is what happened. She had her own solo concert, right? She was on the front page of the newspaper, printed up. And this was all from the local five-star I restaurant. I that. No, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Mm. She had her own solo. Her, her, yeah, but you didn't say how big it was. It like, was huge. It was, it, was, it was a big deal. I put it on my Instagram. So, it was big. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> kind of a big so, deal. So, so these were, yeah, these were, these were all things, you know, these were all promo things, you know, that you did, that we talked about, about, you know, the base, the basic 10 X principles, the basic understanding, you know, business one-on-one principles that we use. And, you know, it's gotten you to little, literally, if it wasn't for the coronavirus seeing for over what, 200 countries. Um, over, no, there aren't 200 comp- countries in the world. Over 123 Oops. countries. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. So, so, so anyone that knows the Rotary, it's, it's kind of a big deal. And there was, you know, over 100 countries that were going to come in, 30,000 plus people. And that was all just from promoting. Yeah. And then, you know, one thing leads to the next. So it was literally the same thing that we did with the Opera Realtor, but now rebranding as a Queen of Opera. Right. Yeah. And so there's a lot of opportunities and, and things that were happening in this year. But here's the thing, and this is something that I think is really important to understand for, again, uh, op- professional opera singers, budding opera singers, really everyone right now, because I have been seeing this over and over, and I'm only going to say this briefly. So many of my colleagues and others have said, I miss the stage. It's been really hard. Blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry not to be rude, but listen, y'all. No, no, it, no, it's true. It's true. Listen, I mean, it, y'all. It's like, hey, are you Here's a singer or, or? I have been, you know. I don't have big stages to sing on on this island. Not yet. Okay. I don't have big productions to be a part of. And I did completely again, skip the fact again. that I totally forgot. I'm a part yeah, of the, the Hawaii, I'm, Hawaii I'm, Opera Theater. I'm a part of the Hawaii Opera Theater. I auditioned. You've for, already sang on big stages. Anyway. No. Yes. I'm a part of the Hawaii Opera Theater. I understand that. And yes, a part of their studio and all those things. And that's awesome. My point is there isn't a lot here on this island. I had to create my own opportunities. And even during this time of quarantine and a stay-at-home order, I have had to create my own opportunities. But long before any of this happened, I was creating my own opportunities. We were creating opportunities for marketing, for branding, for all of those things. So for those of you who are sitting saying, I had nothing to do, and I know that more people have been joining the bandwagon, and, and not a bad, and I don't mean that in a bad way, I mean in a good way. I know a lot more people have been joining in and saying, hey, maybe I should just take this remotely. Let me just explain to you guys how another big, big, big way I got big in the past year. It wasn't just performing live. It was also because I started to team up and collaborate with those that were wanting to do the same thing online with me. And so I had friends that were accompanists in Germany and Texas 
and other places that said, hey, let's do something online. Now, granted, a lot of the times I had to really kind of like impose my way into their life and say hey let's sing a duet because I really like your voice or so I have a a buddy that he and I constantly collaborate on pieces and his name's Sebastian he lives in Germany and so I got him to do a lot of remote collaborations but you have to understand too he is a lawyer and so now he's doing this like kind of on a full-time basis because he has had the time now in the last few weeks last few months to collaborate with a lot of different singers so you've got to grab these opportunities by the horns i was going to say by something else but you guys know what i mean you really got to grab it (laughs) grab it and hold on and say okay in times where it seems like i'm not able to i think a lot of people get complacent they get comfortable and and just used to having things a certain way you have got to create your own opportunities i have been doing this for years now creating my own opportunities it's not impossible if anything you will end up being the front runner if you do that and so that's one of the one things i I want everyone to take away and that's what i've been doing for the past few years so actually the whole quarantine thing has been kind of a blessing because this is what we've been doing for a long time already And so, and then when it comes back, when everything starts to come back, you know, there's a lot of content that I would not have had that now I have. I've been more productive now than I ever have been in the past year. No lie. So it just, you really have to create your own opportunities. And that's what I realized in doing things that no other opera singer that I know has done it the way that I've done it. I am probably the most unorthodox opera singer you've ever met. And I pride myself on that. Boom. Well, there's always Aida Galifalina. Fuck her. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Aida is the most traditional. What are you talking about? I'm joking. We're editing not a lot, but a little bit Almost towards it. So anyway, hey, listen. Thank you for telling us a little bit about your story, yes. DeAndrea. Palatine. I could write a book. Yeah, and and that's it. Is there anything else you you, you want to say? No, before we get just off hey guys, if you've come this far and you've listened to the entire podcast, I I'm not sure why you're probably drinking by now, but thank you so much for listening. No, well, I mean I think there should be a disclaimer. This is definitely a drinking podcast. You this have to have some this form is, of alcohol. have some wine. Yes, have some wine and listen and 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 learn. I mean, come on. Exactly. Learn from this, whether you are an opera singer, a musician, a singer, or just somebody who has a lot of time in your hands right now. Either way, welcome. I'm so excited that you reached the end. And that about wraps up episode seven of Opera Real Guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to my background story about who I am and how I became the queen of opera. And yeah, we're excited to bring you another awesome episode next week. So stay tuned.